Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome into episode 64 of Kayfabe Council, the show where we review and critique news topics and segments in the world of professional wrestling. My name is Pretty Tony, my co-host TF Joker is on vacation, so once again your old pal PT is flying solo for this episode. But of course, not to worry, we're going to be looking at some of the more interesting news and topics from the wrestling world this week. Of course, lots of little things happened, including a special congrats to Rhea Ripley and Buddy Matthews on their engagement. Congratulations to the two of you. Lots of luck and well wishes for you in the coming future for your wedding and your life together. Of course, there are reports of WWE re-signing some talent, including Nia Jax and Kyrie Sane, so that should be quite interesting if those come to fruition. And, of course, some injury notes, including Sonya Deville. Wish you a speedy recovery and a fast return to the WWE roster, as well as a possible injury to Roman Reigns, suffered at SummerSlam. So, indeed, fast recoveries for everybody involved. Lots of little things happened. Hopefully good returns and good news abound. But be that as it may, we'll kick into the show proper with some of the topics we're going to cover in this week's episode. As a reminder, you can find us in video form at youtube.com slash kayfabecouncil and in audio form wherever you get your podcasts from. On this week's episode, we look at new challengers for Seth Rollins' World Heavyweight Championship. AEW All-In matches announced, and Jimmy Uso tells Jay Uso why he betrayed him at SummerSlam. So, coming up first. New challengers for Seth Rollins World Heavyweight Championship. On this past week's episode of Monday Night Raw, Cody asks Minneapolis what they want to talk about and starts talking about a beast that got educated and became a champion here, of course, Brock Lesnar. Cody had the pleasure of standing across from the beast and surviving him, but he didn't imagine the handshake and the embrace that came after. Cody spoke with his mother that morning, sharing his shock at the moment, and she said, quote, Dummy, you don't know what just happened? Brock Lesnar acknowledged you. After SummerSlam, Cody feels on top of the world like he could beat anybody in the world. Enter Seth Rollins. Seth gets in the ring and on the mic and welcomes us to Monday Night Rollins. Seth says the last time he talked about the future of the World Heavyweight Championship, Cody was the first to come down and get in his face and consider this his returning the favor. Rollins asks if Rhodes feels like he can beat anyone in the world, then if that's the case, why not put that feeling to the test? Enter Judgment Day, sans Finn Balor. Damian Priest tells them they must be confused and think they run Monday Night Raw, but Rhea Ripley says Judgment Day runs Raw. Priest tells them they don't dictate what happens with championships around here, because Judgment Day does. More specifically, Senor Money in the Bank does. 
After some jaw-jacking at one another, Finn Balor explodes out of nowhere and blasts Rollins in the back of the head while Damian and Dominic put boots to Cody. Sami Zayn comes in and makes the save. The babyfaces turn the tide and send the Judgment Day packing. Rhodes gets on the mic and says he has a solution for all of this. There's three of them and three in the ring, so a six-man tag is set for the main event. Later on, we see Cody Rhodes and Sami Zayn chatting backstage when Seth Rollins rolls up to bicker at Cody. Sami asks them to take a breath and says he knows there's history and tension here, and Sami doesn't expect them to solve their problems overnight. But they have a chance to do something here, and he's sick of dealing with the Judgment Day. They injured Kevin Owens, who is friends with all three of them. And now they have a chance to stand side by side and deal with the Judgment Day once and for all. Can they do it? Cody says he's cool. Seth takes a moment but says he's cool too. They both disappear on Sammy and he observes that it doesn't feel cool. Later on in the show, during an interview with Shinsuke Nakamura, we hear clattering and Byron Saxton runs off to see what's happening as it turns out J.D. McDonough was beating the hell out of Sami Zayn. Further in the show, Jackie Redman is waiting outside the trainer's room for comments with Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes. They both try to speak at the same time, and Rhodes seeds the floor. Rollins says Sammy wants to go, but the doctors aren't going to clear him. So it'll be two on three, and since he can't trust Cody, it might as well be three on one. Shinsuke Nakamura rolls up to offer his assistance, and Seth says he's had a lot of respect for him for a long time. So let's ride, baby. We then go to that match of Rhodes, Rollins, and Nakamura taking on the Judgment Day. The finish sees Cody set up for a crossroads on Balor, but Priest nails him with the briefcase shot to the back and passes the case to Finn. Sami Zayn comes down to fight Damien off. Rollins superkicks the case into Balor's face. Inverted headlock from Rhodes. And Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins, and Shinsuke Nakamura win by pinfall with a crossroads from Cody on Finn Balor. Post-match, the babyfaces high-five and stand tall. Cody and Seth argue while Sammy plays Peacemaker and raises their hands. Rollins and Rhodes finally decide to shake hands. Shinsuke's the only one not celebrating in the turnbuckles. And he lays Seth out with a Kinshasa walking away as Raw goes off the air. Raw was quite interesting as we started off the show and setting up possible challengers for Seth Rollins' World Heavyweight Championship. Right at the start, we got the tease of Cody with the promo there. Of course, in the later portion of that same promo, we got an attack from Finn onto Seth, the surprise attack. Later on, at the end of the show, post-batch, we got Shinsuke hitting Rollins with the Kinshasa. So we've got a number of things going on, which realistically, if we thought about it, didn't happen in the episodes of Raw leading into the previous pay-per-views. Although we had consecutive matches with Finn and Seth for those pay-per-views, the Money in the Bank and the SummerSlam. It was quite interesting now that we've got the ball rolling immediately on the Raw after the pay-per-view. In terms of realistic challengers for Seth from Cody, Finn, and Shinsuke, Cody, first off, I don't know. I don't think at least not yet. 
Cody wants to win the WWE Championship, of course, now under the guise of the undisputed WWE Universal Championship held by Roman Reigns. So with that, perhaps maybe next year makes the most sense. This is, of course, coming off of three wins for Cody off of Seth last year. Then he had the injury coming back at the Royal Rumble, and then the whole run to Mania, the match with Roman Reigns, and then, of course, the series with Brock. So in terms of a match with Seth for the championship, hearkening back to the documentary he had where, realistically, Cody wants to get the championship that his father almost won and he held up, so that would be the WWE championship. So at least maybe not yet. Let's hold off on Cody doing and fighting for that championship perhaps till next year. Definitely post-WrestleMania. Let's kind of see how the year flows. Also, we had those three matches with Seth last year. So let's give a little space in terms of let's not blow it out of the water. Let's give a little time before we revisit those matches with Seth so we don't feel like we're just blowing our beans on that. Then there's still a possibility that we can have another match with how SummerSlam ended with the interference on the behalf of Judgment Day and then the whole case getting stomped on it. So there's definitely roots that they can go if they want to still have another match with that. Finn's still feeling like it's personal, the ending of the match, like I mentioned. But having another challenger for Seth feels like a good pace and doesn't give crowd fatigue. Because we've had those two matches with Finn and Seth on pay-per-views. So maybe let's not have the third one. We can always come back. These two gentlemen, Finn and Seth, have had quite the number of matches already this year. So maybe hold off on that. So we don't get burnt out as well. Shinsuke is quite an interesting choice. Seth and Shinsuke have had some matches before. But... It's never on the scale and they haven't fought for this championship. Shinsuke is always a guy that you can put in the title picture and you can have him challenge for a championship. We've seen him held the Intercontinental Championship. We've seen him fight for the United States Championship. And it's one of those that based on his pedigree, we can definitely have Shinsuke challenge. Although sometimes WWE does not present him as such, but Shinsuke is quite the interesting choice for sure. In the past number of weeks and month or so, Shinsuke's been getting his aggression back, so we're hearkening back to a little bit more of that strong style that he was known for early in his career, allowing that to flourish and getting a bit of an aggression there. We're not quite at the Renee asking for an interview. And he's refusing to speak in English type of thing. But in terms of character, we're still getting that heel aggressive side. And that was cemented with that shot on Seth. And honestly, we're having the change up from the Finn matches, from the Judgment Day with the match with Damien. So to have a little bit of fresh air and have a different matchup for Seth, I think is a strong choice. And it's probably where we end up leading to. In the coming weeks. And let's not forget that Damien Priest with the briefcase is always looming in the background. So we did a lot of little seed plantings on this past week's episode of Monday Night Raw. So I'm appreciating that we're at least 
thinking ahead and not necessarily leaving everything for the go-home show and that last show of Raw before the pay-per-view. So kudos to them at least for that. But most likely, what do we see? Cody down the road next year, perhaps. Finn, maybe not as likely. Just came off two pay-per-view matches. Shinsuke feels like something fresh. A newer matchup, at least in terms of the World Heavyweight Championship. So I'm definitely good with that for sure. And be on the lookout for Damien. Also, as an offshoot of what happened on Monday Night Raw, we still seeing that continued tension of the Judgment Day. We saw the interference from the entire faction at SummerSlam, but it ultimately did not lead to the win for Finn Balor, winning that championship, the World Heavyweight Championship, from Seth. Of course, on Raw, we saw Balor attack Seth separately from the group, who came out to confront both Cody and Seth at the beginning of the show. Well, later on, we see Finn Balor chatting with J.D. McDonough when Damian Priest rolls up with Judgment Day business. Finn says he's known J.D. for years, and Damian can say whatever he has to in front of J.D. Priest asks why Balor came out of nowhere earlier tonight. Finn says since Damian deviated from the plan on Saturday, he thought they didn't need to plan anymore. They argue until Rhea Ripley rolls up to tell them to stop acting like children. Rhea tells Balor they were there to help him, but it didn't work out. Everyone, Damien, Rhea, Dom, were there to help Finn, but they all need to get on the same page so that they can run Raw together. Both men calm down, and then J.D. McDonough says he might be out of line, but the briefcase seems to be causing tension between Priest and Finn, and maybe they should get rid of it. Priest stares at JD as he walks away, but Rhea holds him back. It looks like the tension is coming back from what we were looking at a month ago when they had the plan between Finn and Priest that Finn would challenge first for the World Heavyweight Championship on Seth, and then Priest could later on cash in his Money in the Bank briefcase on Seth in case that didn't work out, but apparently now we're going back to this tension. So with it still there, definitely once again planning some more seats. We got Finn doing his own thing, attacking Seth, separate from the group. We got Balor's old friend JD McDonough speaking his mind on Judgment Day business, perhaps stepping out of line, who knows? A little bit of seeds there. Rhea seemingly playing peacekeeper between the two lads there. So all these little things, possibly, like I had mentioned before in the previous episode, could lead to some changes in the group. Could we see the likes of a JD joining? Could we see Finn just leaving and doing his own thing and just getting frustrated? Could we see Damien getting kicked out? Or even perhaps Damien just having enough? and leaving because of his tension with Finn. So a lot of little bit of caveats there, adding some intrigue, adding some doubt. WWE has been running hot with the Judgment Day and been going ham with having them on all the shows, putting them in championship opportunities, having them just be forefront of Raw. So it could go in multiple directions if WWE chooses from where we are within this faction 
and then how it relates to the Seth Rollins WWE World Heavyweight Championship situation and title picture, but remains to be seen where they go. I'm intrigued. I'm a big fan of Seth. Always putting on high work rate matches. Finn, huge fan of. Definitely want to see him continue to be put in the spotlight and in a high-profile situation. So Damian, I definitely want to see him succeed as well. So lots of different little avenues we can still go. But with that, those were our thoughts on Seth Rollins having new challengers for the World Heavyweight Championship. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and let us know what your thoughts are on who the next challenger could be. Could it be Cody? Is it Finn still in the picture? Is Shinsuke the next one to challenge Seth Rollins? Is Damian Priest going to step in? Let us know your thoughts on what is going to be next. All right, the next topic we are going to cover here. AEW All-In Matches Announced. So at the time of recording, we're about two weeks away from AEW All-In London. And some of the wrestling community and the fans were wondering what the card was even going to look like. Excited fans have already purchased over 79,000 plus tickets with no matches announced, but the card is finally shaping up. The first of which here is the World Heavyweight Championship match. On August 2nd, 2023 episode of AEW Dynamite, the AEW World Champion MJF cuts a promo in the ring talking about how he has found his true self recently in AEW, mainly due to his dynamic tag team with Adam Cole. MJF would then invite Adam Cole to the ring. Moments later, MJF said that Cole doesn't deserve a match for the AEW World Championship, something that MJF had promised Cole a few weeks back. Instead, MJF proclaimed that Cole deserves the match for the title at the biggest event in AEW history, All In. MJF then presented Cole with a contract for a championship match at All In. Cole quickly signed the contract, despite seemingly not reading any of it, and that cemented the World Heavyweight Championship match between Adam Cole and MJF at All In. So the first matchup there. Another match we're going to see here, Young Bucks versus FTR 3. The match was confirmed on the August 9 episode of AEW Dynamite. FTR first made the challenge for the match on the August 5th episode of AEW Collision. The first match between the two teams took place at the Full Gear pay-per-view in 2020, where the Young Bucks came out on top. The second bout between the two teams was won by FTR during the April 2022 episode of AEW Dynamite as that match was a double championship match for both the Ring of Honor and AAA World Tag Team Championships. This will be the first time that the Bucks have competed in a tag team match on AEW pay-per-view since Double or Nothing 2022, where they lost to the Hardys, Matt and Jeff. So that cements the second match, another championship match on the card. A third match, another championship match, for the AEW Women's Championship was announced on August 9th episode of AEW Dynamite, where the AEW Women's World Championship will be defended in a four-way match at the company's London pay-per-view. 
Tony Storm was named as the first participant in the bout. In the main event, Hikaru Shida defeated Anna Jay to retain the AEW Women's World Championship. As a result, Shida punched her ticket to AEW All-In. She will enter the bout as the reigning champion, and she will defend the gold against Storm and two other challengers. Soraya faced Sky Blue in a qualifying match on the August 11 episode of AEW Dynamite, and despite a valiant effort from Blue, interference from Ruby Soho and Tony Storm proved to be too much to overcome. In the end, Soho blinded Blue with spray paint, and Soraya pinned her to clinch the win. And as a result, Soraya qualified for the title match at AEW All-In. The fourth spot in that four-way match will be determined on the August 16 episode of AEW Dynamite, where Britt Baker will face The Bunny. The winner of that bout will join Storm Sheeta and Soraya in said match. So four-way match, which has become prevalent in AEW pay-per-views for the Women's World Championship, so... Good to see Sheeta, Storm, and Soraya in there, and nothing against the Bunny, but more than likely Britt Baker will be joining that match, so should be quite interesting for the London crowd to see Soraya definitely having a home country advantage in that match, but we'll beg to be seen how that plays out. Another match here we'll get to see Darby Allin and Sting taking on AR Fox and Swerve Strickland. After weeks of back and forth between the two sides, AR Fox and Swerve Strickland will team up to face the duo of Darby Allin and Sting in a coffin match at All In. The match was made on the August 9 episode of AEW Dynamite as Sting returned to the company, cornered Swerve Strickland, and pointed his bat at the All In banner. This will be Sting's first time competing since the June 28 episode of AEW Dynamite, where he and Darby Allin defeated the Jericho Appreciation Society's Jericho and Sammy Guevara in a tag team bout. Furthermore, this will be Sting's first match in the United Kingdom since 2013, where he and Bully Ray competed in a two-on-three handicap match against Devon, Doc, and Mr. Anderson during an episode of Impact Wrestling on Spike TV. We're getting the tag team match in a coffin match, nonetheless, between Darby Allen and Sting teaming up against AR Fox and Swerve Strickland. And a fifth confirmed match here MJF and Adam Cole are officially pulling double duty. Uh, once again, on the August 9 episode of AEW Dynamite, MJF and Adam Cole issued a challenge to Aussie Open, Mark Davis and Kyle Fletcher, for the Ring of Honor tag team titles at AEW All-In Zero Hour, the pre-show, before the pay-per-view. A couple days later, on August 11 episode of AEW Rampage, Aussie Open accepted the challenge, making the bout official. MJF and Cole will not only wrestle on the Zero Hour pay-per-view pre-show, but they'll also compete in the main event, like I mentioned earlier, for the AEW World Championship. So we're getting another tag team match here. Double duty. Quite interesting. Not too bad. So, of the announced matches, looks like it's going to be a fun card, honestly. The double matchups with Adam Cole and MJF seem quite intriguing. There's a lot of avenues we can go with this, whether or not they win those titles, and then how they decide to tell the story in the main event there for the World Championship. The subtle tension between those two men 
in the recent weeks with the addition of Roderick Strong and a Little Seeds planning. They lost the AW Tag Team Championship match against FTR. And Cole was convinced that MJF was going to hit him, but he didn't. And then just with MJF just constantly peppering Roderick Strong. And ooh, the tension with the two men, with Adam Cole sticking his finger in MJF's chest. And like, hey, what are you doing? That's my friend. And then it's looking like MJF was rearing up. So all these little seeds are planted there. So could see quite the interesting turn, perhaps, in the main event there because of what happens in that zero hour tag team bout which could lead to potentially something down the line at all out or going further so there's definitely things that we can do whether or not we want to keep mjf and adam cole aligned solid tag team matchup here from ftr and the young bucks i definitely have to give kudos to ftr for putting on some crazy solid matchups in the recent episodes of Collision against Bullet Club Gold. Of course, the two out of three falls match they had, and of the original match the week prior, where Bullet Club Gold ended up beating FTR to earn that title shot. So crazy good to see that. And of course, nice to see the women's title match being present on the pay-per-view, getting a showcase here. The history of the four-way matches for the women's world title has been prominent in the recent years and also nice kudos to Soraya being included and having an opportunity to wrestle in front of her home country crowd. I'm sure the pop for her is going to be huge. And then the addition of Sting making his first UK appearance in 10 years. Folks, you know, are going to be excited for that. So the card is shaping up, at least with the announced matches, to be a solid show so far. But we have some possible matches yet to come. We see Samoa Joe is challenging CM Punk to a match at All In. In the recent episodes of Collision, Samoa Joe's been calling out CM Punk. And on the most recent episode of Collision, during the six-man tag match for the Trios Championship, Samoa Joe came out and choked out CM Punk, looking like it's going to be leading to a match between the two at All In, which would be great to see. Love me some Samoa Joe, another high-profile match. And there's rumors of a Chris Jericho-Will Ospreay match, so that could be quite interesting if indeed the rumors are true. And lastly here, Kenny Omega is set to sit down with JR on this week's episode of Dynamite to discuss his future and a potential match at All In. There have been murmurings that that could be a Konosuke Takeshita match, which I would not be mad at. Certainly be a fun one to see for sure. So obviously it's set to be a pretty decent card for the folks in London. You know, we have the Adam Cole and MJF threads throughout the show is going to be something to look forward to. And of course, if you add a Kenny match, it's going to amplify the card. So lots of cool and interesting things for the London show. But bear in mind, right, a week later, we're going to have AEW All Out. So we have two big shows running back-to-back weekends, and it's going to take a lot out of the fans, perhaps, and it's not going to be an easy thing to book. So I'm looking at, you know, what do we realistically situate for all in London and then all out in Chicago. 
you know, we don't necessarily want to have rematches on All Out, but if it indeed happens, because of course the pay-per-views and the big shows are a week apart, do it only if it makes sense, right? If it's the right circumstances, if we can really add something different to the All Out show in Chicago from the All In London show. But realistically, Tony Khan is trying to book for two pay-per-view quality shows back-to-back weekends. London may be seen by some as a special kind of big house show, and All Out in Chicago is really the pay-per-view, but I don't know if that is indeed the case. Both are going to be on pay-per-view. Both are big shows. We've been hard pushing All in London. As a big draw, the biggest show in wrestling history, 79,000 plus fans going into Wembley. So I don't know if the All In London is a house show, quote unquote show, you know, and then the All Out in Chicago is the canon event. We'll see, but it's a tough one to book when you have two huge shows. So Be that as it may, remains to be seen how both of these are going to pan out, but it should be a really interesting and strong show from what we have already, and the rumor matches that we might have could be quite intriguing. But with that, let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube, and or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, let us know what your thoughts are on the announced matches for All In London for AEW possible matches still yet to come and if you're definitely looking forward to the show itself which match do you want to see the most let us know down in the comments below all right and the last topic we're going to cover here jimmy uso tells jay uso why he super kicked him and betrayed him at SummerSlam. on this past week's episode of friday night smackdown Bloodline, Stand in the Ring, Roman Reigns, Paul Heyman, and Solo Sokoa. Reigns hesitates for a long moment before asking Calgary to acknowledge him. Roman Reigns asks Heyman where Jimmy Uso is, and Paul has to admit that he hasn't seen him, and when they spoke this morning, Jimmy was rather salty with him. Jimmy Uso appears at ringside wearing a hoodie and a sour expression. He gets in the ring, and Roman tells him not to worry about the crowd, because they mean nothing. He laughs a bit before getting serious, and says he wants to be real about it. Roman owes Jimmy one. So name your price. Anything Jimmy wants, it's done. New car? Done. Boat? Nah. A yacht? Done. A jet? Done. But Jimmy doesn't want anything from Roman because what he did at SummerSlam has nothing to do with Roman Reigns. Reigns himself laughs it off and says Jimmy must be confused. Does Jimmy not want material items? Does he want power? A position? To be main event Jimmy Uso? Because Roman can make that happen. Enter Jay Uso. Jay gets in the ring and snatches the microphone out of his brother's hand, staring him down, squinting at him, trying to find something in his eyes. Jay says he's about to throw 37 years down the drain if Jimmy doesn't tell him why he did it. 
Jimmy collects himself for a moment and says he did what he did at SummerSlam because he loves Jay. Jimmy attacked Jay not out of jealousy, because he was afraid of losing Jay. If Jay won a SummerSlam, Jay would have been tribal chief. And what does that mean for the Usos? Jay would have inherited some kind of power to make him like Roman, corrupted. Jimmy refused to let his brother become a belligerent a-hole like Reigns. That's the damn truth. Jimmy was afraid, and if Jay hates him, it's fine. He just needed to tell Jay to his face he was afraid of losing him and loves him. And if Jay needs to kick 37 years of pain into his face right now, he'll take it. Jay considers it, but decides to turn his back on Jimmy, and Jimmy slowly, hesitatingly, leaves the ring. Roman laughs and laughs about it and literally tells Jay he told him so. He calls Jay a stupid hothead who thinks with his emotions, and tonight it ain't about the Usos. Nobody cares anymore, and it's about one thing. It's about acknowledging he gets cut off as Jay super kicks Roman yet again. Solo attacks Jay and lays him out. Solo draws Jay up. Jay ducks the Samoan spike and lays Solo out with a super kick. Roman takes Jay out with a Superman punch and lies in wait. But Jay takes Reigns out with a super kick and spears him after. Jay gets on the mic and tells Jimmy to hold up. Jay leaves the ring and asks Jimmy to come join him at ringside. Jimmy making his way from the stage down the aisleway, about to meet his brother, when Jay takes out Jimmy with a super kick. Jay looks down the camera, and he says he's out of the bloodline, out of SmackDown, and out of WWE. Deuces, ooses, and leaves the crowd. What is even going on? I am so infatuated with Jay. Jay has gotten so much character, and all the little things that he does here, especially at the end, Deuces, ooses. I feel a t-shirt coming on when Jay returns, of course. Says he's out of WWE, but I smell merchandise money, baby. But all these little things he does with the, the facial uh, twinges that he does. I love the thing when he rubs his hand and then rubs his face, trying to pull the emotion out of it. The little walk he does, the strut to the barricade. All these little things, the character elements that... He's been able to pull out to differentiate himself from Jimmy and add a little bit of character work has just been so good. And it's just one of my favorite things to have seen from Jay as he flourishes more as a superstar bigger than he has become before. But circling back to my concern I mentioned in an earlier show, actually last week's show from the fallout, my concern with the explanation from Jimmy. I mentioned that I thought Jimmy was just going to come out and say, hey, you know, I wanted it to be me. I wanted to be the right-hand man. I wanted to be the, the next tribal chief type of thing, leading to the notion that, you know, he was going back with Roman, and it was more so about him than Jay. But I'm glad it was not the case with the, in terms of the explanation. We ended up having a little bit of Jimmy... Harkening back to Rikishi, his father, coincidentally enough, with Rikishi did it for The Rock, 
This time, Jimmy did it for Jay. And I totally get it. It's one of those where we went with a little bit different spin on it. It's not like I wanted to be the guy. I wanted to have the position of power. It's more of like I wanted to do it for you. I wanted to save you, my twin, my brother. So a nice little interesting kind of twist on it with the shades of Rikishi, his dad. But like I said, I did it for The Rock. But Jimmy did it for Jay this time. But quite the little turn on the old adage. But Jay himself, he just is now going solo. The no pun intended for the solo Sokoa with his brothers. But he is just going out on his own, man. He can't take all this pain this betrayal, this corruption, this distrust. He is just flying on his own now. So it looks like he is going to be a gone, of course. Jay mentioned that I'm leaving Bloodline, I'm leaving SmackDown, I'm leaving WWE. So he's going away for a while. You know, it remains to be seen how long he's going to be gone for, but we'll see how things play out. Honestly, I'm relieved a bit in the explanation from Jimmy that it leaves room for the Usos to go their separate ways, Jay going on his own, Jimmy going on his own, but it also leaves space for reconciliation so that they could eventually come back together, knowing that Jimmy still loves his brother, Jay understands that he didn't want to be corrupted like Roman, so it leaves that door open. Honestly, Potentially done at SummerSlam for shock value, some might argue. But they at least gave a half-plausible explanation as to why it happened. So we'll see how that kind of plays out further down the line. You gotta love WWE playing up the kayfabe. You know, we love our kayfabe here at Kayfabe Council. They've shifted Jay's profile on WWE.com to the alumni page. You gotta love the dedication to the story, WWE just trying to go and run with it. So we'll see how actually long this lasts. I'm thinking, right? Jay's been going through so many things emotionally with his family. Let Jay go away for a while. Let him go for a month, maybe two months, right? Couple months, we see it. Let's do some. Jay appearing in the rafters. Let's do some Jay appearing in the crowd a la Sting and WCW. Let's do something like that. Let's stay away from Jay just showing up next week on SmackDown akin to like a CM Punk thing where he won the WWE Championship at Money in the Bank and then leaves for eight days and then shows up on Raw to confront the new WWE Champion John Cena. Let's hold off on running that story back. Let's definitely do something a little different. We can stand to give Jimmy some of the spotlight. Jay's been crazy good with holding down the fort and being on SmackDown all the time and just running the horse hard, if you will. But I would definitely like to see the change of pace. Have him go away. Have him just be off SmackDown for like a month and then start doing the sting in the crowd, sting in the rafters spot. I think it would be a nice little touch. And then if we want to eventually lead to a Jay and a Jimmy having a match, right? Definitely keep Jay off TV if you really want to drag this out. 
anything in the bloodline has to be dragged out for weeks and months down the line. So I ended up pulling a tweet from WrestleVotes for a little bit of insight here. Quote, hearing that at least one creative force backstage wants WWE to wait for WrestleMania to do the first Uso brother versus brother match. However, that's unlikely at this point, I'm told, with the feeling that 35 weeks is too long of a stretch, end quote. That's a tough sell. You definitely have something going here, and if you want to wait on the match, you definitely have to keep Jay off TV. The whole intriguing nature of a brother versus brother match is something we've seen before. We've had Brett versus Owen in 1994. We've ended up having... Matt versus Jeff Hardy, the actual brothers themselves. We've had Kayfabe brothers, Edge and Christian fight below. So there's definitely a magnitude of when we able to have family or familiar ties, folks with strong bonds being able to have a match. We can definitely see some intriguing storyline already put in there. So if that is indeed the case, if WrestleMania Five or six months from now, and we want to have that first match, you have to keep Jay and Jimmy separate. You have to have Jay off TV. You got to have Jimmy doing something. You got to have them have feuds in between and then circle back to one another eventually. If the first match is at WrestleMania, that's a long wait, long-term storytelling for sure. You got to keep Jay off TV. But... We could have something to the effect of we have the first match at like a Survivor Series that ends in a controversial fashion, then possibly the second match happens at Royal Rumble, and then the rubber match, the 1-1 tie is broken with a match at WrestleMania, so that could be something we can do, but it's going to be a hard sell if Jay just comes back right on the next SmackDown and is like, all right, you know, I was going to be gone for a while, but... You know, the WWE needs me on TV to uh, at least have some kind of bloodline thing on there. So it is what it is, but could be intriguing. I don't know kind of where we go. My my heart and my soul wants Jay. You don't have to don the face paint. You don't have to don the trench coat, but be away for a while. Show up in the rafters. Just look in on your brother. Look in on WWE. Do the vigilante kind of thing the lone wolf deal, and yeah, that is a way we can stretch things out. Otherwise, if you're on TV every week, you can't not have a match, and you can't not have continuing story between these two, so you got to figure something out. But quite the interesting notion of Jimmy's reasoning, I did it for you, Rikishi did it for The Rock, Jimmy did it for Jay. We'll see how things pan out. Love the callback. We'll see how they eventually get together for a match. But with that, those were our thoughts on Jimmy Uso telling Jay Uso why he attacked him and seemingly betrayed him at SummerSlam. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube and or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and let us know what your thoughts are on Jimmy's explanation, what you thought of Jay going solo, if Jay needs to step away a la Sting, and maybe when the first match takes place. All right, quite the interesting show of the topics we covered here. 
couple little fast rapid fire things in the very beginning. We got some new challengers perhaps for Seth Rollins leading into the next pay-per-view. Matches announced for All In finally as we get closer to that show. And Jimmy saying he loves his brother Jay, did it for him. We'll see how things kind of plan out. It's one of those where we have another kind of in-between planning stage. We get these weeks in-between pay-per-views, right? Three or four weeks out of pay-per-view for both AEW and WWE at this point. So we're trying to figure out how do we do in the holding pattern. Obviously, things tend to heat up the week before the show for a Raw and a SmackDown, per se. Hopefully, things will heat up as well in the dynamite leading into it for AEW, but we're trying to figure out how do we stage the next beats in the story for, for example, the Seth Rollins, who he's going to face. We're planting seeds for potential multiple avenues we can go. We're finally get matches announced for AEW all in London with a couple of things there and more to come. And Jimmy and Jay, they've been Killing it in recent months. They always do a really good job. Jay, like I mentioned, big fan of his work more recently with all the character notes that he's been putting in. Jimmy's been developing too, adding some character to him. He was seemingly felt like he was left behind a little bit, but is now helping being put in a strong story with his brother. So lots of things being set up down the road. We'll see how those things pan out, hopefully for the better. All right, so that's going to do it for us here. Appreciate everybody listening and watching for this solo edition. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. So for me, Pretty Tony, we thank you for your time and letting us be a part of your day. And remember, be good to yourself, be good to each other, and we will catch you next time. Peace.